Cards are getting a little bit ugly out there. Give them, give them all a cookie and make them settle down. So I was in America for about a week, and there's a few things I noticed about America. The oh, first no. thing I noticed was oh boy, there is no coverage of hockey. I saw one highlight pack of basketball, and the every other day it was football highlights. I don't even know if there was a game the previous night, but all four ESPN channels had football going at the same time. You were in Wyoming. I don't think they had no. At least ho- you know if if it was if there was basketball, I could defend it a little bit or understand it a little bit more Mm -hmm. but it was literally just people talking about uh, you could see the material was degrading um a lot because they started talking about people's tweets during the (laughs) games celebrities tweets about the games so that was not great so i have no idea what's happened in the past week of hockey it's fair though for them to focus so heavily on football in wyoming considering the University of Wyoming recently gave the NFL the most exciting quarterback it's seen in years, oh. Josh Allen. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> hey, they played Detroit today. I It's relevant for this podcast all of a sudden. <sighs> I'm going to get into it. You do your thing, Brad. I'm, no, I'm just. this is just my um, verbal iteration of my Josh Allen appreciation tweet. I'm just happy he's a bill. We're... If I sound glazed over, dead inside, crushed, absolutely destroyed... It's because um, you two watched the game last night? Devoid of meaning or purpose, um, gutted, lifeless. It's because... And I'm, I know you guys... I know no one cares. No one should care, because this doesn't matter. Uh, I was the odds-on favorite to win my long-running fantasy league, um, currently in the semifinals, and the... <clears throat> uh, the six, I think that it was a fifth seed. Six teams make the playoffs. The fifth seed scraped into the semifinals and has put up a career week against me. And I'm just watching my hopes fade away. And I know it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It's a little bit of money, whatever. Um, but I want you to know that there's no reason for me to live beyond the semifinal matchup. And it's up on my screen. I'm watching myself lose. That's why I sound. I sound like how an empty applesauce cup looks i sound how uh a flat tire on a car feels as you're driving that's that's i imagine i imagine that's how i sound i thought you were going to say you felt this way because um you as well as me actually sat through that red wings islanders game last night in which the red wings got outshot 48 to 21 with with i think a literal third of the red wing shots coming in overtime Oh, um, I didn't I actually wasn't able to catch that game. I was at a Christmas party, but Lucky it was nice you. because it was the same as every other game where they're shot forty-eight to twenty-one. I was actually like taking pictures of the shot clock counter in the corner of my screen as I was going because it just got hilarious. At one point, the Red Wings were being outshot forty to thirteen in the third period. Um, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. We are your full set of hosts. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. I'm Evan. That's Evan. We got him back. Uh, We're going to be talking about a lot today, and as we just started, uh, we're going to start with the Red Wings. Um, The previous games, uh, we have some feelings about the shootout, uh, some update on some injuries, and we're going to talk about some uh, news that actually is kind of drumming up as we speak in Philly. Uh, We're going to talk about Alex Ovechkin, and then a couple other things around the league before heading into overtime. First, the games. 
We'll start with the most previous game, the Islanders game, in which Detroit uh, squeaked out a point somehow. These are the types of games that are going to keep Blashillo's job, and I'm going to lose my mind. Because everything about the Red Wings that game screams they should have lost 8 nothing, except yeah. Jonathan Bernier played out of his mind. Uh, and the New York Islanders goaltender, Thomas Grice, was a real bad. And they got a point out of it. They got a point in the standings in what was probably the worst game I've seen them play this year, which is really saying something. The the fact that they squeaked out that point is the kind of stuff that, like you said, it's gonna it masks how bad this team truly is. And the Islanders are not a fantastic team, so that's why they were able to do that um, just the night before. Or night before, yeah, the night before they lost to Ottawa. Forty. They lost to Ottawa. Now there, I have a hard time making excuses for professional athletes because they're professional athletes and they literally train for stuff like this. But in the game last night against the Islanders, the Red Wings could at least have the mild excuse of it was a back-to-back with tra- a bit of travel. Okay, you don't get a good night's sleep. I can see that affecting your performance, yada, yada, yada. That's fine. The night before, the Red Wings lost in regulation uh, to the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators. Thomas Shabbat's so good. In a game where the Red Wings were playing at home, coming off two days rest. If you want a no excuse to lose that game, it's a home game on two days rest against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, that was the first game in which Detroit played without Mike Green because he's out, what is it, three to five weeks? Yeah, that was my favorite thing about Friday morning is people were tweeting at us as they were listening to our rant about Philip oh, yeah. Ronick not being called up as they get the notification that Philip Ronick had been called up. <laughs> We weren't wrong. The uh, Jeff Blashill just listens to the Winged Wheel podcast. That's, it is. That's my explanation for yeah. it. No, but the, again, like we, we, we did touch on it that it was asinine if Witkowski and Lashoff were going to be going into the lineup, but if they called Lash, Lashoff up just to ride the press box, it was the right move. Mm-hmm. Mike Green going down means someone had to play, and they called up Heronic to play him. So, hey, we got to give... Uh, and Hall and credit where credit's due. This was the right move. It was the right move. I'm happy they did it. Uh, I'm happy the, the beat reporters were wrong in that it was going to be either Lashoff or Witkowski. Um, I think it was the green. Like, I don't think they were expecting the, the severity on the green injury yeah. that they got. So I think that was kind of a, ah, it'll be fine. He's day to day. What's that, Doc? Three to five weeks? Oh, Philip. Yeah, now it's time for another audition. Um, Detroit's record without Green is abysmal. You'll remember that the the terrible, terrible start they had to the season was without Mike Green. Is he the only game changer? No, but on a team that has a few pieces propping it up, Larkin, uh, Howard, what have you. Um, you can just say Larkin and the goaltending. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mike Green was a, a big, big important piece that came back for them in terms of offense, although some parts of his offensive game didn't come back with him, mainly breakouts, but I digress. I I don't necessarily blame him for that, but I'm not getting into that again. Yeah, no, we've done that quite a bit. Uh, So I expect quite a dip for this team. Like, I was surprised by even a point last night. Honestly, I I agree with you that I expect quite a dip, but I think it's going to have very little to do with Mike Green. I think we're starting to see the natural regression of what this team actually is. Obviously, having Mantha and Green out, those are two. You're missing your first line right winger and your first pairing right D. That's going to put a big dent in any team. But 
every team in this league has key injuries throughout the season. You have to deal with it. The Red Wings, by and large, have been relatively healthy this year mm-hmm. uh, compared to other teams in the league. So we can't really complain. No, it's a normal amount of injury. And, and when you see those charts where it says man games lost due to injury, keep in mind, Johan Franzen still counts on those for Detroit. So <laughs> you got Zetterberg as well? Yeah, he would too. Yeah. So Detroit's going to lead the league for the next couple of years in that, but it's not going to be accurate. Because um, they're already, they're going to have at least 164 every season until both their contracts are expired. But without getting into a giant rant about coaching again, because we'll do that once every few weeks anyway, this was just two games where the Red Wings were unprepared and their flaws were exposed. But I did make a promise on this podcast at the beginning of the year to at least talk about something positive what every possible? episode. Now, I understand the Islanders are the Islanders. But hot damn, did the Red Wings penalty kill look good last night. The Islanders had six straight power plays and only scored on one of them. And I think they had one or two more and didn't score on them. Like, the Red Wings were shutting them down. And again, asterisks, I understand it's the Islanders. But the Islanders do have one of the best net front guys in the league in Anders Lee. And they have a Matt Barzell. Who's kind of the Thomas... or. Uh the Islanders, Thomas Shabbat, if you will, where they had a huge piece leave, and then he's kind of taken over as the dominant guy. Well, obviously, well, no yeah. one was Well, he did win rookie of the year last yeah. year. And the same thing with Shabbat. No one was surprised that he was going to be their best defenseman. Just it's just this good, good this yeah. fast, yeah. yeah. Thomas Shabbat's a freak. He is. He's very, very He was good. a free agent in our fantasy league for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's how I got Carter Hutton. Thanks, guys. Fantasy sports. Oh, man, I didn't think about that for the past six seconds, and now I'm all inside again. <laughs> I'm going to make Sorry. a point to bring it up every 10 Yeah, hey, I have Matt Barzell, too. I didn't want to bring it up on that point. Mm. And you I have... wanted to give you at least six seconds. Thanks. Five seemed too short. On you that point, really you have Braden me. Point as well. Yes, I do have Braden Point. Detroit's upcoming schedule isn't phenomenally tough. They have uh, Philly on Tuesday. Philly's a funny team because I always feel like they're underperforming. So oh, no. What? Why does Detroit always get these games? Oh, with the new coach? With the new coach, or it's the game where it's like, this is a must-win for them, even though it's December. Yeah. And then the team just comes out and runs a train on them. Who's on a big slump on Philly right now? Because I promise they're going to score at least a couple goals. Everyone except for Giroux, I think. Who's their... Hey, I have Giroux, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the new goalie they're going to try this game? Because he's going to put up a 980 save percentage in this game. They're actually going to just put Hackstall in net. And he will play the game That's why they had to, of his life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Carolina next week and then Florida on Saturday. Uh, things don't really pick up until Toronto on Sunday the 23rd. And then, yeah, the, the rest of the month, there's three, six, seven games in the net in the last 15 days. So. Yeah, they had a really condensed schedule. I noticed that. Yeah, they, they did. Uh, the past two weeks, they've had eight games alone so it's actually a little bit easier on them right now that's a lot of opportunities for ken daniels to talk about uh the red wing strength on face-offs yeah there's i love the broadcasting team because they just they know what this team is and they're just having fun with it i i i sent out a tweet last night where i'm saying like listen i love the fsd broadcast and i love everybody on it but you guys really need to cool it with the face-off stats because it's like, the mo- it's like the most irrelevant stat in hockey when you actually break down how much it impacts the game. And then someone tweeted at me, they're like, Brad, this is all they have to be positive. And I'm like, you know what? That's fair. It's legitimately all they have. Yeah. The uh, It's those stats that became relevant when a team's doing a deep playoff run and like every little small point and nuance and nitpicky thing is 
you know, prominent and of importance, but they just haven't let go of it for the past however many years. Yeah, stats like that are important. To be to be good at something like face-offs, it's going to be important for when, like you said, you're deep into the playoffs and you get that one play one time a year at a key moment where a face-off win to the guy at the top of the circle results in a goal. Like, it's like in 81 games you play in a year, they don't matter. And even when you look at the analytics behind it, it doesn't. The face-off percentage does not translate to goals. It does not translate to wins. But there's always that one play. What's the correlation between um, face-offs and, and time of possession, though, for a team? Um, little. Really? Very little. Because Detroit's not like basketball and soccer, where when you have possession... You're, it's strategic to keep it for a long time. Hockey is very much, I want to get this shot, and I want to get this shot as fast as I can from the best spot I can. But odds are you don't get those rebounds, right? Like, those rebounds kick out to anybody. So time of possession just doesn't translate. So, yeah, you might get some low-quality point shots off a lot of face-offs, which is fine. Or you might start a cycle. I'm not saying face-offs, being good at face-offs is a bad thing. Just relative to other areas of the game, it's not important. Some teams, if you look at Ryan Getzlaff, he's actually started losing draws on purpose <laughs> because they have a, a system set in place where the two wingers jump and actually get the puck first or catch the defenseman off guard who has it and he makes a bad pass. Like, So you're saying Glenn Denning is not worth a second-round pick and a prospect? Shocking, I know, <laughs> but what uh, are you going to do? Serious post I saw. Glenn Denning would be worth at least a second round pick. Someone actually called him untradeable. Well, so, someone said that. Is Edmonton making the playoffs this year? Uh, Edmonton's actually on a real heater since Hitchcock. They're like eight two and one. It's new coach. It's, it's new coach yep, strength. Yep. It, yeah. So when Quenville shoot, rolls into Detroit on Tuesday with uh, the Flyers, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get to that rumor in a second. So Detroit's outlook for the rest of the season, honestly, is like the games. For a team that just lost Mike Green, it's not an abysmal set of games. Like a lot of those are, Detroit might be able to squeak out a point or a win or what have you. But they, it's not. And they got outshot outshot forty eight to twenty one and still got a point. This team's just gonna f- f- scrap and claw their way to the twelfth pick. They uh, they allowed both LA and um, the Islanders to shoot forty three plus times on them. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's about what you can expect. Um, good notes. Heronic is up instead of Lashoff, which is great. Um, bad notes. Green wasn't the only notable re- injury within the Red Wings organization recently. Philip Zadina. Um, nobody knows what the severity of the injury is yet. Uh, Griffin's Nest has been keeping me apprised. Um, Griffin's had a road trip to Rockford for a game tonight. Zadina did not accompany and it was irritating because he scored a really nice goal last night, too, before he got injured. It looked like just a harmless bump on the boards. Couldn't The camera angle didn't really show what happened, but he got bumped, went down, looked like it was his knee, maybe ankle. He just wasn't putting any weight on that one leg. And here we are, and he's supposed to leave for the World Juniors on Thursday. Yay. Yeah. Oh, that, that's th- the other thing we got to talk about. That would be sorely disappointing if he had to miss the World Juniors. It's bad enough that Bergman won't be there. Um the World Juniors to boost his confidence would have been a huge, huge opportunity. So, fingers crossed, it's just a short-term thing. World Juniors obviously start on the 26th, so 10 days might be worth just resting, taking it easy, and then 
Although I wouldn't be surprised if the team doesn't release him if they think that he could re-aggravate the injury. Yeah. So. We'll see. Um, Speaking of World Junior news, we have to talk about it before. Team Canada announced um, their final cuts. Sort of. They have two guys whose injury status is up in the air, and depending how those guys play out, they may have to release one more forward. But their defense is set. Their goaltending is set. We don't care about their goaltending. We care about their defense. Our boy. Jared McIsaac. Jared McIsaac made the team as an 18-year-old. And keep in mind, this is a primarily 19-year-old tournament. So yeah. it's, it's not insignificant that he made it as an quote-unquote underager. No, so they keep an eye out. He's the uh, a player to watch for Detroit. What about Joe Valeno? As of right now, made the team. Good. Now, uh, keep in mind, one forward still to be released, but they cut a whole bunch of forwards Friday night. Valeno survived. They're just waiting on injury statuses. And looking at who's left, if they had to cut one more guy, I'm not betting on it being Valeno, so I think, I think he's all right. Um, Calling it now, tournament MVP. I'm just saying it. Okay. Joe Valeno. Um, I think they had him penciled in on the third line, but we'll go with that. Yeah, well. So, but again, also another 18-year-old as well. So, now it's going to be different circumstances for Valeno and McIsaac because McIsaac, because he took the traditional route to the QMJHL, next season has the option to play in Halifax or Detroit. That's it. Obviously, he's not going to make Detroit next year, so he's probably back in Halifax. So he's looking real strong to be a two-time Canadian World Junior player. Uh Uh, Because Joe Valeno, this is his fourth season in the CHL, he's eligible for Grand Rapids next year. So, But the way he's playing this year, I'd bet on on him being in Detroit next year anyway. He's less likely to be on the World Junior team twice. So this might be his, his one and done at it. Yeah. The uh, the tournament starts on Boxing Day in Canada, the the twenty sixth. Um, any other? Again, that Bergeron injury kills me. I know, and it's oh, it's hip too, which is no, is it hip or back? Back, so concerning. You don't want to see an eighteen year old with a back injury. No, no. Um, but still, it's exciting that McIsaac made it. McIsaac was seen as a safe pick. Nothing, not like a home run swing. Really, uh, was projected to be good um, if all things panned out for him. Really, it was a good, another great value pick for Detroit in the second round with where they took him. I think it was 35, 36. 36. Um, but he's had a fantastic year. It's been overshadowed, obviously, because Valeno's been the story in terms of Detroit's draft picks having a great year in the juniors. Um, but Jared McIsaac is definitely a player to watch. I think going into this camp, Jared McIsaac had 26 points in 27 games. He was one point under a point per game as a defense as a defense and it's not insignificant too that to this point in team canada tryouts mcisaac and valeno are still there while guys at their positions who were drafted ahead of them were cut 13th overall pick ty delandria a centerman did not make the team uh 28th overall pick nicholas bodan uh, of the hawks did not make the team there were guys drafted in last year's draft picks higher than valeno and mcisaac were taken who did not make it. That's so. my favorite spin on it. There's like that's it's a demonstration of the kind of value well, early and not concrete, but it's a demonstration of the kind of value Detroit got in the first and second round last yeah. uh, last draft. Um like it, it's crazy to think that there is a reality we live in where Zadina and Bergeron could be complete and utter busts and it's still a great draft for Detroit. Like that's, that's insane. 
<laughs> Vol- all that all it takes is for Valeno to be uh, if Valeno ends up as a number two center in this league, that's it's a successful draft for Detroit. And then Every if McIsaac's season. a top four defenseman on top of that, if you find a top six center and a top four defenseman in the same draft, that's a that's a ten that's a nine out of ten draft. hundred percent. That's as good as you can do short of hitting an absolute superstar. Uh, we're gonna move on to the. Uh, oh, we didn't talk about the shootout. Oh, we didn't talk about the shootout. Let's do the shootout. Let's do the shootout. I have some stats pulled up because uh, I've noticed a trend. Not even a trend. I've noticed some hard, concrete evidence that every time the Red Wings have a shootout, it goes Franz Nielsen, Thomas Vanek, and Gus Nyquist in that order without fail, unless one of them is not playing. Detroit's had what five shootouts this year. Yeah, and they're, what, two and three, I want to say off the top of my head? Something like that. Um, I'm going to read out the shot attempts and goals. Franz Nielsen, five shot attempts in the shootout this season. One goal. Dylan Larkin, three shot attempts. One goal. Gustav Nyquist, five shot attempts. One goal. Andreas Athanasiu, one attempt, one goal. (laughs) <laughs> Michael Rasmussen one shot attempt no goals Justin Abdelkader two shot attempts for god knows what reason zero goals well there was that one that zero went, like, goals nine, nine rounds zero ah. goals Thomas Vanek four shot attempts zero goals ha I knew he hadn't scored someone lied to me on Twitter Detroit um, has four players who have even scored no one has scored more than once in the shootout this year Having to see with the best percentage at a hundred, hundred percent. Really, why don't we just fire off Athanasio out there? Three now, times? here's the thing: I will defend Blashill for throwing Nielsen out there every time because he is the all-time leader in shootout goals. He's had a bit of a cold streak this year, but shootouts are a coin flip, so that's fine. I'm sure that will balance out for him. It happens. Vanek is usually good in these, but he's been all around bad this year, and he's been bad in the shootouts, and yet he's still trotted out there. Not sure why. I honestly don't remember Nyquist ever being good on the shootout, except for that one string of three shots where he went backhand five hole on everybody and then stopped doing that and then stopped scoring. He was good. Uh, there, So Detroit had like over the course of a full season where they didn't win a shootout. It was like 12 shootout losses in a row. And then they like three years in a row, they started to win a bunch. And it was Nyquist's goals that kind of turned things around. And so that's even, why it's so notable. I don't even think it was Nyquist most of those times. He had, I remember the one heater. He had that one move and it was working perfectly. And as soon as the NHL caught on, it he just it's the move that score. Larkin does better now. Yeah, and Athanasiu is great in shootouts. Mantha, I don't know if he's even taken a shootout attempt in his career, but he's pretty successful on breakaways. I know he hasn't been playing, but he, for point of this conversation, he was available on a bunch of the shootouts this year. <sighs> this Might as well just put Cronwall and Luke and Wachowski out there and roll the dice. Honestly, it's. The other team, the Red Wings have become so predictable in just about every way. And in the one area of the game where you can be as unpredictable as you want and literally no one will judge you, Blashill still does not vary from the same three guys. It is maddening. Athanasiu is the best player on this team in breakaways by a country mile and you don't even attempt him in the shootout. I think that would go to Larkin. Best player. Like, Larkin has been a crazy efficient finisher this year on breakaways. That's true. This year, uh, that's that's a fair point. But over the course, Athens' backhand forehand move and then his forehand backhand shelf has worked more often than it hasn't. Mm-hmm. And because he's got moves to both sides like Larkin does, those two guys, 
create unpredictability with the goalies. Cause I understand what Nielsen does in the shootout. He comes in the same way every time. And he has two things. I'm either going to catch you off guard and I'm just going to snap at five hole. Or if you react to react too slowly, he goes backhand shelf. It's, it's brilliant because the goalies, you know, it's one of two things and the goalie has no idea which is coming and just has to guess. And if he guesses wrong, he's toast. So that, that's why I like Nielsen in there. Vanek just tries weird stuff, which I appreciate, but it doesn't work most of the time. Nyquist has just, he looks lost in the shootouts, which is why I can't believe he's still out there. In terms of uh, why this team is, like, th- this team doesn't try new things or take a risk when we need them to, or when, when they really should be. For example, uh, even considering not calling up uh, Hironik in favor of Lashoff, or, you know, playing the young guys for more minutes before they absolutely, like, pull out teeth, making sure that they get the opportunity. The shootout is the safest place. Like, it is just such a crapshoot as to who will get, like, who's going to score. Any pro in the NHL has a high, like, a coin flip's chance of scoring, regardless if you're the sixth defenseman or the top-line center. Like, it's, the odd, the, the differential in odds is so low. Like, just send somebody out to see what happens. Merrick Malik has one of the nicest shootout goals of all time. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, again, even... Take a guy like Nicholas Cronwell. If you gave him strict instruction of the mint, all right, Nicholas, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to skate straight up the middle of the ice, get to the hash marks, look up, pick a spot, and just shoot it and exactly. hit it. Exactly. It's going to be 50-50. He's an NHL-caliber shooter against an NHL-caliber goalie. That is a coin flip. The guys who suck in the shootouts are the guys who overthink it, which is, like, again, he's a good player, but that's 100% what Nyquist has been doing lately. The shot is in his head before he even touches it at center ice, and then he overthinks it, screws it up, yada, yada, yada. And I think Vanek's kind of guilty of the same thing just on the other end of the spectrum where I'm going to try a million things at once and see if it confuses the goalie. It's because Vanek has to be a predictable shooter, right? Like, he's a Vanek is a shooter, mm-hmm. but he's a crazy good shooter. He's got a great release, great shot. But, you know, if the goalie says 80%, you're going to shoot, then that's pretty easy to defend. Um and that's why Vanek is trying some different stuff, but that's not in his repertoire. Like, yeah, he's, he's not. He doesn't have the speed to do anything lateral with the goalie, but like his little around the worlds and, and fakes <laughs> and all that stuff, it might at least throw off the timing of the goalie. So I don't hate that. But yeah, like you have Larkin and Athanasiu, the two guys on the team that actually combine hands with speed. Mm-hmm. Use them. Like it's it's just Athanasiu has half the shot attempts of Justin Applicator. I mean, no, no, Brad, he two. has half of the, he has one, first of all, one shot attempt in five game for the, oh, I know, arguably, it's criminal. yeah, it's, it's criminal. It truly is. But either way, it's just, this season doesn't even matter. Honest to God. Seno Chalowski, no, to anybody. If, if the next shootout, the first guy to jump over the boards is Luke Witkowski. I will drive to Detroit and give Blashill a high five. Have fun with it. And again, we want to talk about development. Nyquist and Vanek won't be back next year. God, Ken Holland's got to be trying to dump Nielsen's contract by any means necessary in a couple, in a year or two. Screw it. Throw it, Athens, you Larkin, Shalosky, Mantha, who the hell ever. Let him get good at it because it might be relevant when the team's actually contending for a playoff exactly. slot in a few years. Uh, I'm going to move us on to the um, news in Philly because there was actually an update. So the first post was from a Philly beat it's writer. not from Reddit, is it? No, the first post was from a Philly beat writer, and it uh, meant it suggested that uh, 
Dave Hackstall, the coach in Philly, the only survivor of the, the red wedding that's happened in Philadelphia over the slowly over the past two weeks, uh, was to be fired, uh, and Joel Quenville was taking his spot. And then it progressed into um, not, no communication has been made with Quenville yet, but he's the obvious top target for Philly. There might be a little bit of a delay, and there might have to be an interim coach for a few days before that happens. It has now been tweeted out by Andy Strickland, who's... Um, St. Louis Blues uh, reporter um, Joel Quenville has told him that the report of him taking the Flyers job is just not true and also that the uh, Dave Hackstall there's no decision has been made on Hackstall yet I'd bet that Hackstall is to be let go where there's smoke there's fire this is quite a lot of smoke maybe even a few embers whether or not Quenville is going to take it I think this is more of Philly is aggressively pursuing him um and if they get the green light, Hackstall's out before the pen even hits paper. Yeah, a hundred. This is very much a Michelle Terrian out of the way for Claude Julian kind of thing that but happened in Montreal. That I hate when teams do this. If the plan, if you're aggressively pursuing another coach, you already know you want to move on from Hackstall. Let the guy go, get an interim in there, and then do whatever you want. Having a lame duck coach isn't helping anybody. No, it's really not. And again. <laughs> It's funny because the one of the arguments in Philly has been kind of the almost the anti-argument in Detroit. Whereas in Detroit, is Blashill a good t- coach or is it a bad team? Well, he's being propped up by goaltending, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is Hackstall a good coach, or is his goaltending just letting him down? That's the argument there. And again, I think this is one of the circumstances. Both can be true. Philly, for as gifted as they are offensively, sure as hell doesn't score as much as they should. But also, every time that puck gets within the vicinity of the Flyers' net, it somehow ends up in the Flyers' net. Hextall really should have been the one to go, first and foremost. No, Hextall, and yes, these are two different people. Hextall, the former GM, wasn't perfect. I think he was fine to stay through. I think Hextall was the bigger problem. Um, and so, to me, it's only a matter of time. The way they're doing this is weird, though. Why now? Why? What? Because they have. It's not just that Philly's been losing the past couple weeks. They've been it's, bad. They've been getting either blown out or blowing huge leads. Like they had a game in Calgary a few nights ago. They were up five three with a minute left. They lost that game. Oh yeah, My, <laughs> a friend of mine who's a Philly fan. He's actually like super knowledgeable on Philly. We should have him on one day. He texted me. He goes, uh, Chuck Fletcher getting the full Philly experience. LMFALs. <laughs> that was yeah. That wasn't good. Oh, how. What was the turnaround time on that blowing that lead? Uh, I think uh, Anderson scored with about a minute left, and Monaghan tied it with about seven seconds left, and I think they won it in overtime less than a minute in. (laughs) Yeah, it's... Things are weird. Philly is a talented team. They have the talent to win, but what's... Okay, Philly is the classic example of... Again, I'm not going to sit here and say Hackstall's a great coach, and he would be the guy to guide this team. But also, Philly's a classic case of if they even had league average goaltending right now, they're probably hovering around a playoff spot. The East is not a hard division to make the playoffs in. It's hard to win your division for sure. Or conference, I meant to say. It's hard to win your division for sure. It's very top-heavy. But everything in the middle, like Detroit is technically in the hunt, so to speak. Don't Please don't take that seriously. They're not, actually. But they're technically in the hunt. Philly shouldn't have a problem making the playoffs this year with their roster, in my mind. No, they shouldn't. They have Provorov and Sanheim on defense and a couple other good pieces. Their their forwards are stupid. Vorchek, Giroux, Couturier, Konechny, Nolan Patrick, Wayne Simmons, James Van Riemsdyk. When one of those guys has to play on your third line because there's seven of them, 
it's criminal you're bad. That's cr- I I think all of them would either everybody I just rhymed off there would either be the best or second best forward on the Red Wings right now. <laughs> oh yeah. Without a like, doubt. It's it's stupid. They, now they, I say they have that the goalie problem. You know a goalie that would solve their problems? J- Jimothy Timothy Howard. Yeah, what if we send Jimothy, Jimothy in a second and you send us uh, <laughs> Provorov? <laughs> I, I couldn't even get through that with a straight face. <laughs> but again, if there's a... T- and here's the thing that's hilarious to me. So getting back to the thing uh, um, you were saying about Hextall, like it was ridiculous that they fired him. Apparently, the the several outlets have reported that the disconnect between Flyers management and Hextall was very similar to that and the Aquilinis and Trevor Linden in Vancouver, where they want the slow, traditional rebuild, let the prospects come up, let Carter Hart season in the AHL, let him come up next year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, this is how you win. Now Philly's a bit Hextel is a bit more extreme version of it than Linden, and the ownership's like, no, it's been long enough. Start winning now. And when Hextel refused to go out and make those big splashy moves to win now, ownership said, all right, it's enough. We'll get someone else to do it then. I understand that he's new there, but Fletcher hasn't done anything yet. And uh, it's been like a week. Uh, but your your season's fading away. If he doesn't trade for a goalie in the next week or two before the Christmas freeze, honestly, they're they're not far away from just saying why bother. This season's a write-off. I don't think the same. Uh, I don't think the same ownership that just said, you know, we're going to switch a GM because we want to be more rough and tumble to make a change to the way we play right now is going to give up on the season. They seem like the ones to hang on too long. <laughs> Their uh, Philly is currently last. I did not realize that they were last. Of course they're last. They're allowing like six goals a game. Sounds like my beer league. Uh, Ottawa's allowing more goals than them by yeah, a lot. But at least that's a beer league where there's a good chance you, your team will score seven. The goalie got his skates on the wrong feet. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. oh yeah, there's some dusters. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens in Philly. I would guess that Hackstall's going to be fired. I'm going to say, like, right now... If you made me pick one or the other, I would say, yeah, Quenville will go there, but that's just a feeling. It's not anything concrete quite no. yet. <laughs> Funny. We are going to move on to uh, Alex Ovechkin. At the age of 33, is on pace for 74 goals, is it, Brad? He's on pace currently to score 74 goals this season. He has 29 and 32. Let this sink in. We are still over a week away from Christmas, and he's one goal away from 30. It's like a fine wine. 30 by Christmas. Alex Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer in the history of the NHL, and I honestly can't see an argument for anybody else at this point. No, no, it's done. Like, that, it's not, it's, I would say it's about as done as, like, Steph Curry being considered the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA. Like, Alex Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer this game has ever seen. Era adjusted, not era adjusted, doesn't matter. This man is the greatest goal scorer this this league has ever seen. He's done it so consistently for his entire career. He had one down year in the goal scoring category in 2010-11, in which he scored 32 goals, but to balance it, put up 53 assists. Mm. Oh, wow. Tough yeah, year. Tough was, year. That was That's his down year. One. 
His uh, that ties his uh, career low for goals. Uh, he also had 32 goals in the 12-13 season. And if you're wondering, yes, that was a lockout I was short to say, half season. I think that was a lockout. Yeah. He's <laughs> what he scored two hat tricks in the past week, was it? Yeah, he scored a hat trick against Detroit on Tuesday in his next game against Carolina, scored a hat trick. And then my highlight of the week is yeah, let us know what he said. In in uh the after the game against Buffalo last night, he was in an interview with a reporter and they were talking. And he's like, Yeah. Uh Back, Baxi and Oshi were great. They were giving me a lot of chances, but you know you can't get one every night. To which the reporter responded, "Alex, you scored." It doesn't even register. You, you in his did head. get one tonight. Wow! <laughs> Unless it's two or more, it doesn't register in his head. <laughs> doesn't matter at that point. If you, <laughs> the, how many goals would Alex Ovechkin had have if you only counted his multi-goal games? It would be a scary number. Pretty close to this. And here's the scary thing. So that the, the main reason I want to talk about how good Ovi is. It's a long shot still, but I'm not ruling out the possibility he takes out Gretzky's record. He's 256 goals away from Gretzky's all-time goal record, which doesn't which which is obviously a huge hill to climb when you're 33, but let's say he plays till he's 39. He's got six more seasons in him. That means he has to put up 43, 43 a year. That's a lot. That's a lot, but he's on pace what? for 74 He needs this one year. year where he just explodes for like 55, maybe 60. If he scores 60 this year, 50 next year, takes a lot. That, that's a, it that's becomes I mean. a lot yeah. more realistic. Yeah, yeah, like he'll probably have to, if he has two more huge years, like it looks like he's going to. And keep in mind, the NHL scoring is going up now. He probably only has to average about 35 for his last four seasons. That's not crazy. Because he's not a guy who relies on his speed to score goals. The way he plays the game, he might lose a bit of his physical element, but, man, he's a shooter. You can sustain that. Brett Hall sustained that all the way up till he was 40. Yeah. And who's saying who's saying Ovechkin only plays till he's 39? Sports medicine has gotten better yeah. and better. He could play another... Uh, he could add three years. I'm being conservative. And here's the crazy thing. Alex Ovechkin has lost a year and a half of his career to lockouts. Yeah, and he only got 64 goals. <laughs> He's uh, he, he had that one down year where he only got like 70 points or something, and people were like, should we trade him in his contract? I'm like, his contract will go down as one of the best contracts in the history of the NHL. And it was one of those ridiculous 13-year contracts yeah. when he signed it. When the NHL, like when the, they had those new rules and all the teams were like, all right, if you say so. And the NHL was like, oh, no, wait, stop. And then we had a second lockout. Yeah. Yep. Um, Alex Ovechkin, his, he'll, I actually consider, like, he's one of, he's one of those Russians who wants to go back and play in Russia to, like, put a capstone on his career. But if he's within striking distance of Gretzky's record, he'll stay to do it. Oh, yeah. And 100%, again, 100% he'll stay to do it. He's he's the type of physical freak who could maybe pull a Chelios and play till he's 45. The guy was on a bender for like three straight months and he still has this many goals already. Stanley Cup hangover. He's still hammered. Yeah. That's that right now. Alex Ovechkin is still in that window from like 8 a.m. to like 1 p.m. When you wake up, you're like, I'm not hungover at all. Then it's all of a sudden it hits you. Yeah, he's, it's coming. Yeah. So. And again, the projections we did for him needing 43 a season, that's assuming he doesn't score another goal this season. He might score another 35 this season because we're not even halfway into the season yet. He's It won't happen. It won't happen, but he's three goals off pace of going 50 goals in 50 games, which hasn't happened since the Gretzky 
Gretzky was the one to do it, right? Oh, yeah. Like the maybe, only one? Maybe Lemieux did. No, Hull had to have done that in his 86 goal season. Uh, that's actually a stat that I should know. Yeah, fun fact, error adjusted. That's the single greatest goal scoring season in hockey history was Brett Hull's 86. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but for, I'm trying to think, because I don't, if I had to put money on the table, I'm not betting that he breaks Gretzky's record, but I think... It sure is exciting to think about, It though. is. It is, but... How's 802 very much in his range. So what did we say he needed 256 more? Yeah, so something like that. Like that. So let's say he pops in another 30 this year. 226. So this is to get to Gretzky's record. So that's how many more off that? So shave another 90 off that. Math with Brad. So play six more years. He needs to average 23 goals a year to get over Gordie Howe. I would, I'm betting on that. I would say that happens. That's happening. He'll be the third 800 goal scorer in NHL history. And he did it. And it, sorry, is doing it where a good chunk of his career was in the dead puck era 2.0. Which so is, is he a Hall of Famer? <laughs> well, he's only got one cup, so I don't know. Second. Yeah. No, it's, it's all about the rings. <laughs> no gold medals. That's so. true. I don't know. Uh, we're going to move on to um, some quick hits. Uh, Andrew Ference had some interesting comments that we haven't brought up, and it was about the uh, previous iteration of, or like, uh, what, what years was he talking about? Like 2012, I think he was in Edmonton, yeah, from like 2012, 2016. Wasn't that like kind of right when they drafted Yakupov? Wasn't Yakupov, right Hall, then? Nugent Hopkins, Eberle, that era. So for those who haven't heard it, he was on the 31 Thoughts podcast earlier in the week with Elliot Friedman and friend of the podcast, Jeff Merrick. Mm-hmm. I love saying that. Anyways, um, <laughs> So, and he was talking about how when he got to Edmonton, he, he wasn't, when you read the paper versions of his quotes, his quotes sound a lot more harsh than they actually were. He was just talking about like, yeah, there were guys after the game who wouldn't take their conditioning or their sleep schedule very seriously. They'd be out till three in the morning. They had this aura of practice of if you're trying too hard in practice, you're a loser, which, you know, anybody who's played any high level of hockey knows there's idiots like that at every level of hockey, no matter where you go. It's like, oh, look at you try hard. Um, And he said, like, you're professional athletes. You shouldn't be doing that, yada, yada, yada. And then every outlet immediately took that as he was dumping on the Taylor Halls, the Eberleys, the New Jobs, they were the young guy. They were the young guys. If you listen to his quotes a couple times through, you'll notice one thing. He never says young players. He never singles out and says it was the young guys. Which is funny because Hall has a reputation of being a partier, especially in Edmonton. Yeah, like odds are generally the young guys party harder than the old guys. This is true, but he never specified that. He never named names. And if all of this was true, we which we don't know it was, if it was true. He seems like an honest guy, so I'd bet on it. But we don't know that. I mean, of course he has a right to be pissed off about that. He was the captain of the team. He was trying to win. It was his hometown team. So I. So what you're telling me was the Edmonton Oilers have been historically mismanaged over the past decade? Brad, that is a Jacques. How dare you? <laughs> so the, the big controversy coming out of this is, A, is it true? And B, should he, should he have even said it? Because hockey is a big sport and what happens in the room stays in the room. No, he's fine to say it. He's years removed from it. That team has not done its players any favors. It's been an old boys club that's just screwed themselves over. You're like he's not in the game anymore. You're f- well, he works for the league. Oh, uh, you know what? I didn't even consider that part. He works for the league. No, you know what? Why? Like what? Like look at the NBA. You have players working for teams, working for the leagues. You have players calling out their own teammates. 
look what happened with Butler. Like, speak up. I don't like that's fine. He's on a podcast. They asked him a question. He answered candidly. If it was the truth, don't be pissed that the truth got out because if they haven't done anything to address it, then yeah, that's fair game. I'm conflicted on this because I'm a big believer in if you don't want someone to call you an idiot, don't be an idiot. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm that, but at the same time, there is kind of an unspoken rule of the the room is the room. This is this is your family. You don't go out there and dump on your family, and whether or not you're still on the team or not. I get it. So if I can fully understand why the people that were on those teams would be pissed, but I fully understand why it's all right that Ferent said it. Like I, I get both sides of this argument, but I I tend to side with Ferent so long as what he's saying is true. I Andrew Ferent does not strike me as the kind of guy to lie, make this kind of thing up, you know. And the fact that everyone's kind of like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> this was this was and this was in the same podcast where he admitted the whole glove malfunction thing was bullshit. So. Really? Oh, wow! Yeah. <laughs> you don't say. Although he did have a funny story about that, where he's like, "Yes, we need to avoid a suspension. Say anything you can." He's like, "Well, I actually am wearing new gloves tonight, so they are pretty stiff." <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really funny. Oh yeah, my god! So they're like, "Let's just run with that." Good for him. And I, I, I'm also the type of person who, if we go back to that series, and I want to say it was. 2011 i don't even think that should be a big deal because it's hockey who cares let the man have some fun <laughs> he's like yeah but there's children watching yeah there's children watching grown men punch each have other in the seen, face this is far from have you the most seen what's thing. on tv and on the internet this is very mild oh, yeah it's in very comparison. much in line with like the the way tv shows and movies get rated like you say more than one f-bomb and you're immediately rated r but you can like Game of Thrones, watch someone's innards spill out because they've been cut open, and they're like, "Ah, eh, PG 13 <laughs> yeah, Just make sure the kid's not like, I don't know, be in the room with them. By thirteen, they've seen a lot uh, worse than that. Make uh, sure it's like after dinner. Yeah, <laughs> um, not too close to bed though. We are going to move over to uh, overtime, where of course uh, is the time for our Patreon patrons to shine. Patreon.com/slash/WingDuelPodcast if you want to join in the family, because all of our patrons, among other things, get their comments read out on air, guaranteed as our way of saying thanks. Uh, we're going to start off with Brendan B. Singer. He says, I saw that new uh, animated Spider-Man movie. I believe it's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse um, this week, and it was awesome. Totally exceeded my expectations. When the last? When's the last time you've come out of the theater from a movie that completely exceeded your expectations? Controversial take. Solo, a Star Wars story. Wow. I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I never saw it because I wasn't buying into it. No, I like... I, I think it came I don't think it was by far like great. I think Rogue One is like the gold standard of like the non trilogy based Star Wars movies. I get that. Really? You liked Rogue One? Oh, I thought I think it's the best one. Well, that was the one at the end where they are on the planet looking into the ocean. Yeah, oh yeah. really? None I of my friends who are hardcore fans like that spin off. We saw each other at a restaurant accidentally after we had seen Rogue One. That was uh oh no free. It a and E restaurant. We can't yeah, give a free. No, oh. no, you know what? They overcharge for beer, so I don't want to. Yeah, give them. yeah. Um, for me, like it's, I, I'm the type of guy who tends to overhype myself for movies, and then they just either live up to expectations or don't. But the one where I actually went into it recently, and I'm like, wow, that was great, was actually Deadpool. Because all the marketing leading up to it, I'm like, there's no way this movie is going to live up to how good... The first one, you mean? First one, oh, yeah. okay, yeah. I'm yeah. like, there's no way it lives up to how good the trailers have been, how good the marketing's been. Like, this was one of the best marketed movies of all time from just a, a pure hype standpoint. So I went into the movie expecting it to be good, 
but I'm like, it can't live up. And then I watch it, and I'm like, that's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. So that one's probably mine just because my expectations were unrealistically high, and it somehow still exceeded it. I haven't... Do you guys see many movies anymore in theaters? I watch a ton of movies. I in theaters. Uh, yeah, I go a good amount. Huh. The last good one where I was blown away was Grand Budapest Hotel. I oh, saw that awesome. at the little hipster cinema uptown. Apollo. Uh, no, the princess. Oh, the princess. Yeah, yeah. The I I love doing the uh, Oscar noms. I love watching all the Oscar noms. Yeah, me too. And I'm like five years behind. Yeah, same, same. Yeah, there's a uh, find your local cinema that's not like a major chain. Yeah, and they usually run events. The popcorn's cheaper. They'll serve Our beer y- there. A year um, membership, which gets you into movies for free, is like fourteen dollars for the entire year. Yeah, they like the one in Kitchener. Um, they let you take beer in, or that you can they buy sell beer. You beer. There. Yeah, and they sell like nice craft beers, and like they just uh, ha- they put on National Lampoon for free. And I think they do like um, the, Apollo. the Apollo. Oh, the Apollo. And I think they do like kids cartoons on Saturdays until noon or something. They do a lot of cool stuff. That's yeah. one way that would help me get through watching Mika's cartoons is just get hammered. Yes, except, except they could only start serving at eleven, right? That's you know what? Cool. We'll show up at ten forty-five. It's fine. <laughs> just get bring in a Coke bottle, an open Coke bottle, and uh, bring a straw. <laughs> no, just bring in the flask, bust out the flask, and all the other parents will be begging for some shares. That is true. <laughs> Kaylin Wood says, "Frantic, scattered post incoming on my way to a movie from last week. Detroit should probably have a boxer as their doggo." Brad, I know you'll like that. Uh, from the for the simple and obvious uh, homage to Joe Louis. Uh, Ooh, that's good. Joe Louis. Dylan Larkin is filthy, and I love him very much. What's your favorite Christmas? slash holiday cookie i'm a pleb and honestly i just love the standard sugar cookie with frosting but not those mega ultra sweet kind subtlety is key christmas cookie peanut butter cookie with the chocolate hershey kiss on top uh, it's too rich for me um my aunt used to make like the shortbread cookies but just like generic i don't even know what type of icing it was but it was they are so good I don't like sweets, but I can literally just dummy a plate by myself. I like a classic sugar cookie. Like like sugar on top, that's it. Nothing else. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite bar food? A good buffalo wing reigns supreme for me. Flats only. Drummies are for wimps. Second is nachos. Cheers, bud. Let's go Red Wings. If wings count, then wings. Hot wings. Not hot to the point where it irritates you, but you know you got to get above medium there. And yeah, I'm I'm pro flats all the way. Yeah, I like I like drums, but flats are amazing. Yeah, I I'm addicted to chips, so nachos, oh. the pulled pork nachos from Ethel's on a Sunday after four are nine dollars. Oh, that's not bad. Garrett TV says on the topic of jerseys and alternate jerseys, what if the NHL treated alternates in the way that most European soccer clubs treat their jerseys? That is, what if the NHL teams had basically a new alternate? Each year or every couple, switching things up just slightly. While, Euro- while European football clubs often do this because of sponsorships, they also do it because it generates revenue and interest. And fans can buy a new jersey regularly to support the team. I think it would be awesome if we tried out a new alternate jersey each year and fans had the option to get a different look whenever they'd like. Don't care for this year's alternate? Fine, wait a year and see what happens. Also gives an opportunity to be a bit more topical as cities and clubs evolve and or celebrate different designs for teams that have several in their arsenal. Surely there will be enough love and hate for any given year's uh, alternate to generate conversation and publicity, which is almost always a good thing. I like Wings Barber Poles a lot. Also like the original Outdoor Classic and the old black and red from the late 90s we never actually used in games. What do you guys think? I'm a fan of the concept. I think every year would be a bit overkill because if, like I said, if the Wings used the 
jersey I really liked, I wouldn't want it to go away in a year. If you want to do like every three to five years, I think I'd be down with that idea. Because I think we were talking about like I'm, I think every team should have a third. Like it's it's weird that yeah. every team doesn't. But yeah, I, I'm I'm, I'm I like the concept. Um, I think the the thing to note here is that soccer slash football clubs have more like leeway to do this kind of things because they're more or less it's simpler to make soccer kits than it is to make hockey jerseys. Hockey jerseys are first of all more material. Stripe like sleeves have so much design incorporated into them. You have to contrast against the white ice. You have to contrast like it's it's a whole different game. Um, you ha- you also have to work with the logo that's big on the chest. Soccer kits have a badge or a crest on the breast. That's it. Like it's not. Soccer jerseys are by far the most boring of the sports world. So it un- it's understandable that they need to keep it fresh somehow. Hockey jerseys are the best of every professional sport. So we don't have quite the need to spice it up every so often like they would. Mm-hmm. Christian Sicilian or Christian Cillian says, hey guys, or maybe Skillian, I'm sorry if I said that wrong. I, that means you're new because I haven't seen this one before. Uh, hey guys, been listening for a while and finally became a patron. Thank you so much for the support. Welcome to the family. Uh, don't have an actual hockey question, but I just want to see what Hogwarts houses you think the team would be sorted into. Oh god. This is a Ryan question for Keep sure. Keep up the good work. Let's go Red Wings and go Blue. I know... N- Almost nothing on this topic. I've seen one Harry Potter movie, and it was like the fourth one. Um, I'll tell you this. Dylan Larkin is the prototypical Gryffindor. 100% Gryffindor. Athanasius is Slytherin. Yeah. Those are the only two I'd probably be yeah. able to pick. Yes. A- Abdulkader, as much as he's a meathead, would be a Gryffindor. Uh, Vanek, maybe well, Ravenclaw. What, what house was the ginger in? I just want to know where we're sending Nyquist. Gryffindor. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I think Howard would be a Ravenclaw. Pretty smart, solid, always good. Oh, uh, uh, that's a smart house. So Chalosky goes there because he's the engineer. Um, what else? What, what other players would we want to know about? Um, man, so many players just fit. Like Rasmussen is the a Gryffindor's Gryffindor. Just like good attitude, brave, blah, 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 does what's required. Also fought this week. But you know who didn't fight this week? Justin Abdelkader or Luke Witkowski. You know what, like Abdulkader and Witkowski, I think actually would both be Hufflepuffs. Uh, who's another? Who's <laughs> yeah, because they're not fighting. So who's another Slytherin? Which Slytherin? Yeah, uh, the evil guys. Oh, Blashill. No, Blashill's a Hufflepuff. Blashill is so Hufflepuff it hurts my body. Wait, you said Athanasius evil. Well, he's got him like. It's easy to hate. Oh, Bertuzzi's another Slytherin. Oh, Jonathan Erickson looks like he'd be a villain in a movie. Yeah, but he's about. He's kind of useless, so maybe helpful puff. <laughs> I, gonna, go we're gonna, I feel like we're gonna get a lot of hate oh, mail. A lot of Hufflepuff. Yeah, a lot of hate mail. Uh, and I'm 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 crapping on Hufflepuff as a house, but they actually have some great witches and wizards in their history, so I will no longer slander their name. It's <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> it sounds like a Pokemon. I didn't want to know any of this today. <laughs> Uh, Marissa, who I think is also a new patron, so welcome to the family and thank you for the support, says hello from Utah. I've been listening to to the pod for a few months now, and I figured that I can f- that since I can finally tell yours and Brad's voices apart, usually it was time to become a patron. Well, thank you. And again, this is Ryan speaking right well, now. Well, she knows. See, she knew that because she knows you read off the question. Says yours and Brad. Oh yeah, they're got a smart bunch here. Look at her. She's on. She's on. Yeah. The ball. This week, I was messaging with a guy on Twitter and mentioned that I was waiting to buy Larkin's jersey till he has a C on it. He told me he didn't think Larkin would get the C, and when I asked who he thought he would, he said Abdulkader. Ha. 
Was it me? <laughs> <laughs> Sarcastically. <laughs> to which I responded, if Abby gets to see, I will burn the city of Detroit to the ground. But that's a fair response. And someone actually that's, said the same thing to me on that, That's actually well. a mild response. Yeah, I, I think don't. the whole state of Michigan needs to get it at that point. <laughs> uh, I almost thought he was joking, but then he went on to say Abby is a good player and has been on the team for a long time, which made me start to sweat a little. I've always thought it was pretty much a done deal that Larkin would be our next captain, but this team does seem to have a bad habit of over-respecting vets. What do you all think? Will I have to make a good on my threat of arson? Realistically, what are the chances that Abby will get the captaincy? Please tell me it's 0%. Thanks. Honestly, they're far higher than they should be. Yes. Given how this organization operates and that Blashill is still somehow the coach, I probably put it 60-40 for, in, favor of, in favor of Larkin. You think it's that high? I think it's I that think high. It's, I would give it 85-15. I would give it that high. Again, 50, because oh. the best predictor of future events is past events. This is how the Red Wings' current regime operates. Oh, man. I think this meme is growing far too like, large. <laughs> Justin Abdelkader... Okay, here's how bad Justin Abdelkader is this year. The subreddit has turned on him. The subreddit like, has turned on him. He's like Dustin Brown without being able to score goals, and they took his captaincy away from him. How could we possibly... And Justin Abdelkader's on the first line. Yeah, it's forever. Conf- I mean, the lines are forever a mystery. But <laughs> I... Oh, because, God. Because... Just by pure age, Justin Abdelkader's Michigan per 60 is so much higher than Larkin's. I just, he is the most boring hockey player to watch. He does nothing exciting. He's not a boring hockey player to watch. Do you know how many chances the other team gets when he's on the ice? <laughs> That's the end of that conversation. <laughs> That's it. It's over. Brad, Brad just tapped it. Andrew Dubiel says, uh, on Saturday, or today, Saturday, I'm refing uh, an eight and under tournament in Kalamazoo. I arrived to the rink where the tournament is being held uh, about an hour before my game. Normally don't show up that early. Um, but was in between games and was changing from one rank to another. Decided to watch the game that was going on before mine. As I stand there, I look over to a guy that had a younger child, probably five or six, and he says to the kid, let's watch the hockey game. It's the most exciting to watch. Uh, as I look at him, I think to myself, damn, that guy looks a lot like Franzen. Nah, probably isn't. I ref my game and I'm introducing myself to the coaches of the second team. We were talking about how number 25 on the white team from the previous game was hitting posts all game long, and I say to the, the coach, his parents need to stop having him aim at the post and crossbar at home and give him targets inside the net. The coach replies, I'm sure that kid has everything he could ever want or need. That's Johan Franzen's kid. <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> I was literally 10 feet away from one of my top 10 Red Wings players, and I didn't pull the trigger on asking. Update. Today he was at the rink again, and I was able to say hi to him before the game started. My son, who was 10 years old, sat in the stands with when Franzen's wife sat next to him for a little bit of the game and introduced herself as Johan's wife. My son didn't know how to ask her for an introduction. Gotta love it. I know the last time you guys spoke about Franzen that... Uh, that the news what he wasn't doing well was that he wasn't doing well and I know he probably will never feel back to 100% even after his contract ends in 2020 but it was great to see him out and enjoying his life with his family and still be able to enjoy the game that warms my heart you know what I miss about friends and that we don't talk about often enough he stopped posting on Instagram yeah his his Instagram for a good chunk of time there was my favorite thing about the Red Wings yeah yeah (laughs) He was hilarious. He should be their social media coordinator or something. Didn't he make a giant blanket with Mike Babcock's face and gave it to Nyquist right after Babcock left? That's so funny. <laughs> I'm just I'm happy he's happy though. Uh, Evan Beckner says, "Hey guys, time for a game of agree or disagree. Rapid fire down the list and simply state agree or disagree. Feel free to discuss at your discretion. No need to overthink, frickin' Brad." All right. 
Larkin is the next Red Wings captain. Agree or disagree? Agree. Agree. Quenville will join the Wings in any uh, capacity. Agree. <laughs> disagree. 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 Phil Kessel will win another Stanley Cup. Disagree. Uh, um, agree. I say he's he's a tradable asset who scores so consistently. Agree. I'm going to say agree, but I don't think it'll be with Pittsburgh. Uh, I think he'll end up on a Winnipeg or a Nashville as a deadline addition one year. And If that happens, I say agree. Um, Connor McDavid will never win a Stanley Cup. Disagree. Disagree. I agree. Ooh. I'll just go with it. Connor McDavid will never win a Stanley Cup with Edmonton. Agree. <laughs> Disagree. I, uh, hurts my body. See, my my thinking on your first question was, it, you know, Ed, he's going to be a lifer in Edmonton. So that's why I said he'll never win a cup. Disagree. They're going to get rid of Shirelli eventually. They must. Henrik Lundqvist will play another Stanley Cup final. Disagree. 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 The Detroit Red Wings will win the Stanley Cup before 2030. Oh, man. Agree. <laughs> Agree. I'm Agree. Agree. I gotta be optimistic. Eisenman will do it. Um, <laughs> draft depending. <laughs> uh, Squirtle is the best Pokemon. Disagree. Disagree. Oh, that's a big disagree. Yeah. Clayton Van Dyken says, hey, guys, uh, been busy as of late, holiday season and all. Hey, man, you're telling us. Uh, don't have too much for you, but I figured I'd continue my old segment and ask what Pokemon Gus Nyquist would be. What Pokemon Gus Nyquist would be? He's like the little can-do water bug out there, so... Squirtle? Nah. Wartortle. He's got a Wartortle. I think he might be. Man, I'm honestly... There's a lot of fan fiction type questions today that I just do not recall. You've missed a lot. I'm honestly leaning Pikachu for him. That's interesting. He's, He's an electric player. Joe Caboose119Z, I would give him a Raichu then. He doesn't have enough finish to be a Raichu. Joe Caboose119Z Falzone says, maybe the reason uh, we're always outshot is because Blash employs a strictly high-danger scoring chance system. That must be why and uh, the fantasy stat darling Canes have virtually the same amount of points, right? Wait, no, that can't be right. All of our shots come from the half walls and, and the point. Never the slaughter mid-circles unless it's on a rush. Ugh, what does Blash have to do right from a system perspective? Exactly what you just said. Do not be afraid to utilize your talent to get into high-danger zones. And also, <clears throat> they get outshot because the defense is awful. Yeah, they get outshot because they're not a good hockey team. It's hard to generate those high-danger chances when you don't have the puck. I had a big, long post in one of the Blash Hill threads on Reddit today basically explaining his systems are bad. But the team is also bad. So, yeah. Like the, as, as far as if you want to put Detroit's skill level up versus every other team in the league, they're probably in the bottom five. It's a oh, lose, yeah. lose, 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 lose it's, situation. There is nothing really optimistic about the Red Wings this year other than the young guys look good and the goaltending's been unreal. Uh, Adam Flett says, is it worth the Wings targeting Spencer Knight, the USA goalie, in the first round? I'm not sure he'll be there by the second Seems like a legit blue chip future goalie, and that's not something that comes every year uh, close to where we draft. If it's in the first round, good God, no, because that's probably a top 10 pick. If they get a second first round pick that's around 25, absolutely, I'd be down for that. Or if he is still kicking around there with your first pick in the second round, by all means, it's not the move I would make because, again, Detroit's got two or three goalies in the system who look real good right now. Eliasson's crushing it in the Sweden Junior League right now. Uh, Larson's been good since coming back from his injury. Petrozelli's still got a chance. I think the Red Wings have other areas they need to address first, but if they did it, hey, I I don't think it's the worst move ever. 
Secondly, as we're going through uh, what would this Red Wing be if they were a phase, how would you distribute the players through the realm of Game of Thrones? Oh, man. Oh, my God. That's tough. Uh, uh, Blashill is Cersei. Just no, just Cersei's distru- far too intelligent to be Blashill. No, just in the sense of ruining everything he touches. Uh, okay, uh, Stark. The Starks are. Uh, hold on. Um, Larkins is Stark. Yeah. Larkins is Stark. He's Jon Snow. Yeah, because he had his bad sophomore season, and that was when he, no spoilers, um, didn't <laughs> lived. <laughs> Pavel Dat Pavel Datsuk is Ned Stark. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> just, I'm a big fan of Rob Stark, so just, I'm not ready for any of this. Just throwing that out there. Um, okay, so if if Cersei is not Blashill, can we agree Blashill's Joffrey? Then he's just no. You just want to punch his face every time it's on screen. No, someone who does something stupid. Blashill is the um, the brother, or the Rob's uncle from River Run that doesn't employ his war strategy and basically loses them the war and gets Rob killed because they, then they need to go to the phrase where the red wedding happened. I know that's a little bit too deep, but like he... Okay, let's just do it this way. <laughs> just rhyme off characters and we'll just pick a player that fits it. Rhyme off characters? Yeah, just go through the main the character. The Mountain. The Mountain. Jonathan Todd Bert- Michael Rasmussen. Todd Bertuzzi retired a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, the Daenerys. Daenerys? Sedina. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't quite made it yet, but First he's getting there. Daenerys is Sedina. You're like, is there you're supposed to be really important, but are you yet? So And we, then he starts coming on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um Cal Drogo. Jonathan Erickson. Because <laughs> <laughs> he looks like him kind of. Yeah, and he dies very early. <laughs> Erickson had that one good season and then he just passed. He just died. Yeah. Um Game of Thrones character. So Jon Snow is Dylan Larkin. Yeah. Who's, Ro- who's Rob Stark? Who's Rob Stark? The the it looked like he was gonna be really good and then just faded out into nothing. Um, that there's a lot of candidates for this one. Uh, Yuri Hoodler. Littlefinger. Just an advocator. He's the yes. imposter. He's always there, and you're like, why are you there? Oh my god, just why does everybody is... respect you? Why yeah. are you in another position of importance? You're why? Why do you control this army? Why are you on the first line? It does not make sense. You're not any. You came. You were nothing. You he came from nothing. Oh my god, just an abdicator, little finger. That's it. We can't do anything. That's like that's legitimately the perfect. No, yeah, that's. <laughs> I want to come back to that. I really want to think about these because we because I've a got lot of fun. we we didn't even go through Arya Sansa Joffrey. We got so many to go through. Oh, maybe we'll do it when the when the show comes back on. Um, that's soon, isn't it? Hope you guys are set. Yeah, it is. Hope you guys are <gasps> set for Christmas, especially Mika, who is a better host than Evan. I've got what? my I've got my girls ride on the on unicorns this year. Uh, Christmas Day, I'll be in Narnia. That's awesome. Thanks for all your hard work, guys, and Merry Christmas from Scotland. Merry Christmas, Adam. Uh, and thank you for the, what such a great question. Warm Chord Music says, Hey guys, it's been a while since I commented, so I figured I'd drop in and say hi and see if you guys agree with Mike Green and DeKaiser's injuries being a blessing in disguise. No one wants injuries, uh, but this situation forces Blash Hill and Holland to play and develop Ronick, who shouldn't be in Grand Rapids. It also means we're likely to drop further from the wildcard race, which should make it more obvious to Holland that this rebuild is far from over. 
assuming we don't get Hughes in the draft, but we finish in the bottom five to seven, is there a high-end defenseman worth taking at that spot, or is it forward you think is most likely? You're right about all of that. I wouldn't say blessing in disguise. I got into a little I, bit of... I don't think it's that much of a disguise, honestly. No, like, it's all the things that came from a bad situation, you're right, are good. Um, high-end defenseman worth taking at five to seven. Seven, okay, so the, the way this draft is shaping up, at seven, yes, I think that's a boat where Bowen Byram's going to fall. If Detroit's picking in the top five, I would, per, if they're going to go for a defenseman, I'd prefer a trade back because the top five shaping up to be almost all forwards at this point. And Byram's picking it up this year, but he looks like the real, the only real candidate to even get near there at this point. Um, on a separate note, I really dig the guests you guys have had on the show this past year. Yeah, we've been slacking on that. <laughs> we have one for Wednesday. It's for Wednesday? Yeah. Okay. Um, I work till five. That's perfect. Perfect. Yeah, seven thirty on Wednesday. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see how many emails I have tomorrow morning. Yeah, uh, it would be cool for you to hear you guys talk with Ray Ferraro, as I personally debated the wings with him on Twitter in the past and found him refreshingly candid. He seems to be a cool guy that wouldn't sugarcoat things. Also, it'd be cool to hear Craig Cousins again. His podcast is top notch, and he always has good insight. Rock on and keep up the great work. As always, guys, if you want someone on the show, tweet at them, tag them, tag us. That's how we've gotten the mo- majority of our um, guests. Um, that's how we're getting our, our guests on Wednesday. So um, keep up the suggestions. We reach out to them, but the fans are what drive that. And random plug, uh, Ray Ferraro's Pulp Hockey Podcast, one of my top three favorites. He is, like you said, he's very candid. It's it's a good podcast. Stan Olson says, hey, guys, hope all is well. What do you guys think is a fair asking price for Duncan Keith? Not for the wings, of course. Who are some rental players you guys could see moving this year other than the guys on the wings? Oh, God, there's going to be so many. Uh, just look, pick anybody on St. Louis, anybody on L.A. at this point. Yep. Um, a fair price for Duncan Keith. Man, he's not been good this year. I think a second is about the most Chicago could hope for. Isn't his contract wildly bad? No, he's, he, his contract's wildly it's good. It's Seabrooks who's it's bad. It's Seabrooks yeah. that's bad, yeah. Um, Chris Cannell says, Hello, gentlemen. Looking back on this past draft, how much of a steal is McIsaac looking like right now? What percentage do you give of Valeno to make Team Canada? Also, is there any news on the Zadina injury? Hope he's okay to play at the World Juniors. Great work as usual. Keep it up. Uh, so right now, it looks like there's a 98% chance uh, Valeno makes it. It's 100% that McIsaac makes it. He's on. They've they've set the defense. Um, yeah, McIsaac looked like a hell of a steal. Like I said, he made the team over guys who were drafted ahead of him in this draft. Um, to to kind of revisit McIsaac a bit as to why he fell, I was happy with the Wings picking him at 36, but I wasn't nearly as excited about him as the other three guys that the Red Wings uh, picked ahead of him. Mainly because I did not see the offensive upside there with McIsaac. Like, you knew he was a reliable defender. You knew he was good positionally. He was a smart hockey player. It's just you didn't see the offense. Yeah. This year there's offense, so I've become infinitely more optimistic. I still don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to break 40 points regularly in the NHL, but a guy who could put up 30 to 40 and, and be a good puck moving reliable defenseman yeah that looks like that's actually a pretty good chance he's going to develop into that justin klinsky says sup boys are you missing the dog farts similar to your listeners missing evan i don't miss the dog farts but i'm sure you guys missed evan so it's good to have him here today yeah i'm struggling right now (laughs) why not replace him with mika oh uh mika's got the attention span of a a teaspoon um or a goldfish um cute as hell fun fact today uh we successfully got her to Properly pronounce Athanasiu. No way. Actually, we were talking. Your daughter pronounced Athanasiu before she's been properly potty trained. Yes. 
I we because it's I her favorite. I respect you so much more. She sees him on the screen. She's the only Red Wing player she can pick out, and she always used to say "Happy to see you," and then I would just be like, <laughs> "Oh, is that Athena see you?" And so we were talking. We went out to breakfast with my grandparents this morning, and we were talking about they were making fun of me for how much Mika likes hockey. Like that's a bad thing. And I said, yeah, she can point out her favorite player. And so I pulled up a picture on my phone. She's like, Athanasiu. And I'm like, whoa, wait. You've never actually nailed that before. <laughs> so, smart kid. Too yeah. smart for her own good. Yeah. She's actually chasing us around the house. We need to find a way to lock the door. Oh, but, yeah. Evan missed that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what she, she locked the door? She came downstairs on She the started, like, Again. quietly uh, opening the door. And, like, she made it to the bottom stair last time before we figured out she was down here. Whoops. Crystal's on the couch upstairs. Didn't notice. Um... Also, I have less than a month until my boot hopefully comes off. Uh, oh, yeah, your toes. Uh, it's been quite the conversation starter with women, so I should have done this sooner. Brad, thanks for liking my poor man's report on McIsaac. Have a good one, and for the love of God, please win Jared Allen. All right, we have some time for... Uh, Jared some... Allen or Josh Allen? I don't know. Josh Allen did win today. Uh, maybe he's just trolling you. It doesn't gonna... matter. I'm going to move over to the Reddit thread. We have time for a few comments from there. Uh, Jazz the Juice with the thrilling thought-provoking question when was the last time you pooped your pants oh gosh I must years be a toddler yeah years unfortunately I have no fun stories with that brad actually did today so yeah uh kimosabe r22 says the which i think is your first ever comment on this thread so welcome uh says say the wings get picked four or five in the upcoming draft and the obvious choice is pod colson do you think they'll still be drafting best available talent or or will they reach on defenseman projected to go a little later um, if last year is any indication, Detroit's going to pick best player available always because this past draft was a as defense-heavy draft as we've maybe ever seen. This one upcoming is looking to be one of the lightest top-end defenseman draft we've seen in a while. So, yeah, I right now I'm still... If the Red Wings get six or higher, I'm still betting they take a forward. Uh, here, two Here, 22 says, If the Wings trade Howard, who ends up being the backup and how often will they play? Love the podcast and happy you're at two a week right now. Let's go, Red Wings. I'm going to say Satchery, but I'm also going to say there's a good chance that Detroit will take back the other team's backup goalie. Like an Allen kind of thing. Just to free up some cap space for the other team. And because, hey, Satchery and Rebar have looked like a pretty good tandem in Grand Rapids, so I don't think Detroit wants to screw with that unless they want Fulcher to come up, which would make sense. So um, Smart Rick actually had a comment for Kimosabe's comment. He said, Byram is going to be a good D-man, but probably not reach, uh, not a reach at five. Broberg would be more of a reach at five. Byram has a pretty high floor, and Broberg has a higher ceiling, in my opinion, but a shooter like Pod Colson would be all right. Yeah, no. It, right now, like I said, I think the top five is still Hughes, Kako, Doc, Cousins, Pod Colson. Although I've seen a lot of rankings starting to come down on Pod Colson over the last month or so, so... I have to go back and watch some of his recent games to see why. So apparently he hasn't been doing too well with his current club team, but uh, the last international tournament he played in, he was great again. So I don't know. But guys like guys like that that do well in tournaments but don't do well all season give me pause. Whereas Elias Pearson was the polar opposite. He crushed Sweden but like was underwhelming in just about every tournament he played. So uh, I don't know. Scouting's weird. Uh, Weddy Lufa says, with the Burakovsky trade rumors floating around, do you think it would be worth it for the Wings to try and get him? What do you think it would cost? Nope. Yeah, I don't... He's not really the target. Nope. He's like he's not old, but he's too old now for Detroit to justify. We Burakovsky is what he is. If, if you're trading for him expecting to get something more than a third-line winger, well, you're... We got lots of those. Evan, think of a comment or a number between one and five. Five. 
All right, Reason as Virtue says, I thought about your comments on goaltending and your concern that Holland will pass up an offer that is too good. I think the Blues and Phillies are future-oriented, and they so they don't want to give up futures to acquire a temporary solution in net. What about one of those two, uh, these two trades to Calgary? Calgary is really bad in terms of goaltending. They would be a serious contender with him. You would offer Howard uh, for Flames second next year. They don't have a second this year. That upgrades to this year's first if they make the conference finals, or next year's first if they re-sign Howard. We would likely have to take Smith back and retain some salary, but he's only on one year. Yeah, I would take that. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the other is Lindholm and Allen for Howard and Nyquist, plus a second from us that downgrades to a third if they sign both Howard and Nyquist in offseason. Again, that would have to be a year out from this draft to make the condition work. They might want a prospect instead of a pick, but Lindholm is the same age as Manthan on a good contract. Hold on. Lindholm? And Allen, yeah. Lindholm plays for Anaheim. I think he meant... No. Are we talking the defenseman Lindholm or the forward Lindholm? The forward. Because he's been crushing Calgary. They're not getting rid of him. Yeah, well, I think. And that's, like, obviously you would take that trade, but I don't think it's happening. Um, the salary going both ways is comparable. The first one, I think, is a good indicator for the kind of trade that people might not be big on. But I, th- I actually would really like that for Detroit. There will be conditions based on if he resigns or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have time for one more. We'll do this one that's right in front of me. Jacques Straps says, really love the pod, guys. Listen to every episode. Just started watching some of your YouTube videos to see how awkward you guys are in person. Sure are. Uh, don't have a Wings-related question, but a general one surrounding a penalty from last night's Blues game. Um, what's your opinion on the penalty Tarasenko received for using Pareko's stick? I didn't know his stick is above regulation because of his height. Is that a right call to give Sanko the penalty given the circumstance? Just seems like a gray area and never seen like a call seen a call like that. Okay, for background, for anybody who missed it, this I don't know who the referee was in this game, but I have never seen a ref more on the ball than this guy. So there's a handful of players in the league who have an exception because they're like Chara, Myers, Pareko, because they're like six seven, six eight, six nine. So the height of their stick goes above the required legal what is allotted by the league, whatever it is you want to call it. But they get the exception to use those sticks for obvious reasons. So ha- Tarasenko got a penalty because he picked up Pareko's stick and attempted to play the puck with it. Because Tarasenko didn't have the exemption to use the stick, it was a penalty. Had Tarasenko picked up, say, Jaden Schwartz's stick, it would have been fine. There would have been no penalty there. I think it's te- it's technically a penalty, and it technically yeah. should be. Otherwise, it's exploitable. The the fun thing is we can actually have fun with this because that was a penalty taken in overtime, and St. Louis scored shorthanded to win it, so all swell that ends well. But um, I personally, I think the rule is stupid because as someone who myself is like 5'9", I don't using a stick chara size would not help me in any capacity of the game no. of hockey. So I don't see why there's a limit on length of stick. Do they think someone's going to come out with like a twenty foot stick and just like try and poke everybody from all ends of the zone? It it's a dumb rule, but kudos to the ref for being that on point. And with that, we are going to round out this week. Um, Evan is apparently the first person ever to be tired from a trip to Wyoming, so we're going to give him a rest. Thank, <laughs> thank you all. You. For, thank you all for listening. Thank you all uh, of our Patreon supporters, uh, our name level sponsors: Sean Levine, Chad Hiersack, Sky Carcass, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Langabeer, Derek Shippard, Ryan Lewis, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Dan Bell, and Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much, all of our listeners, uh, our supporters. Thank you. If you want to support the show and other ways uh subscribe however you get your podcast on twitter 
at Winged Wheel Pod. Follow that account and then follow our individual accounts. Uh, it's been the holidays, so I've been kind of quiet the past few days. But in general, we're all very active on Twitter. Um, like us on Facebook. Leave us a rating. However, you get your podcast on iTunes is huge for us. Hashtag do the thing on Spotify for the Winged Wheel Pod. Um, it's about time. Evan's itching to sprint out the door. So we will see I'm you dying. later this week. Thank you.